Good evening. It's 7pm on Wednesday the 6th of February. My name's Alex Campbell and you're listening to Freaky Trigger and the Lords of Pop on Resonance 104.4 FM. Tonight's show is coming to you from an oldie worldie tea shoppy in Devon, so we're going to try to keep proceedings nice and civilised tonight in order not to upset the old ladies sat in the corner. I'm joined by three marvellous minty fresh lolladeers, Sarah Clark, Rob Brennan and Magnus Anderson. Tonight we're going to think about when politeness goes too far, explore the joy of insults, and we'll also moan about some of the tiny inconsequential things that somehow irritate us beyond belief. We'll even inquire into the true worth of simply everything, or at least discuss the price of a pint. We've also got some songs lined up for you to dance to around your radio set at home, or you can just hand jive if you're feeling lazy. Before we begin properly though, Sarah has an apology to make relating to a previous show. Over to you. I'm I'm sorry everybody, Uh, with so much to apologise for, it's sometimes hard to know when to start. Um, So let me begin with reference to the last show that I was on with Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop. Um, When I mentioned um, a feature of my life, which is the husband list, it's something which is very important to me, uh, my future relationship, uh, nay, my future marriage to um, Japanese boy band members. Uh, When I last hosted this fine show a few weeks ago, I referred to uh, the News and Kanjani 8 band member, my future husband, as Ryo Nikishido instead of his real name, which which is, of course, Ryo Nishikido. The shame and the horror. This is no way to begin our relationship. I'm sorry, Ryo chan and I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, but some might say I've got more to apologise for than that, but uh, that was Tom Ewing and not me. <laughs> um, but, but in breaking news, I've got to inform Rio that he's no no longer number one on the husband list, following a certain photo shoot by Yamashita Tomohisa in, in, well, in a magazine I saw today. Um, he's number one of the husband list. Um, I'm really sorry, and to show how sorry I am, Alex has chosen a song for us which can express my contrition far more adequately than I can ever do. Uh, Japanese for I'm sorry, Ryo-chan, is apparently a gomene Ryo-chan, so I'm sorry, and here's the song. Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Neither this one. <laughs>
That was Sorry by Maloko, and we're sorry for playing the wrong track just then. No, um, I'm, I'm not sorry. It was like 2002. It was like a shonky bootleg mashup all over again. <laughs> yes, yes. Tell yourself that. <laughs> no, I'll tell you that. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> have you got more on the subject of apologising for us? or being No, part? I don't. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's the end. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should apologise for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> there we go. Now we've done the full circle. Well, no, um... Well, seeing as we're supposed to be being polite today, seeing as we're broadcasting from this Devon tea shop and all, um, I was starting to think about whether politeness is actually worth it. I think that fairly often politeness just gets you into a big mess of rubbish. Um, I've got past history on this. I've studied it. Uh, Being polite usually just um, leads you into into mess. Uh, We've got the classic story of, of, um, of Dracula. Really? You, exactly. <laughs> and all vampires, actually. Vampires. See if you can guess vampires. where I'm coming from with this. Uh, you're saying that they owe their doom to being overly polite. Is it because the victims just kind of go along to the castle <laughs> and sort of they're too polite to say, oh, hang on, <laughs> you actually are a vampire, aren't you? So they're, they're offered hospitality and the victim will say, well, you know, he's being awfully nice. It'd be just <laughs> rude, just rude to run away because I find him cold and creepy. That's a problem with Dracula in specific, but all of the vampires, think about something that you've got to do in order to get a vampire into your... To, you've you got to, to invite, invite them, them in. in. Yes. And why would you do that unless you were being polite? Because you're not going to know the vampire. Well, you might have tripped up. You might have done what uh, Buffy's sister did in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I've never seen, <laughs> uh, where, where she said, come here and say that, and accidentally invited the vampire in. Which vampire was that? <laughs> the mighty one. Not knowing a vampire's name is pretty impolite. Well, no, well, I'm, I'm awfully sorry. They would feel very insulted, I'm sure. Mm. But they would still suck your blood. Oh, it's another classic thing in ghost stories, though. I've been reading up on them recently, and there's another fantastic ghost story. It's called Smee, which is a rubbish title. But the premise of this is that um, you're invited to a country house. The whole premise of this story really is etiquette and how it leads to having to put up with people who you don't really want to put up with so there's this mysterious chick in the corner you know um she's slightly exotic don't quite know much about her and it's i don't want to ask her name because that would be impolite i'm expected to sort of know my social gathering was this person introduced at some point and maybe they're introduced to five people at the oh, same time oh they arrived late though ah, so all the proper right. introductions had been done but he got held up on the jubilee line yes jubilee line wasn't bad today the northern line pretty bad any more fascinating anecdotes no, I'm saving them for later. <laughs> Good. Where was I? Oh, no, so part of this game that um, they later had to play... Bear in mind, this guy's still thinking about this woman. He doesn't know who she is. Um, they have to, the setup of this game called Smee, it's, it's a variant on hide-and-seek. So you have to go and find somebody... Um, yeah, you have to find somebody. Um, one person is nominated as this character called Smee. And they have to hide somewhere. And when you find somebody who's hiding, you have to say, Smee! <laughs> in that voice. To them. D- does it explain why? No, no, and if they don't respond, then they're Smee, and you have to hide with them. Right. Because they're not allowed to speak. So it's just You just sit there in abuse. silence. Right. This is sardines. It's not sardines. In sardines, you say, Sardine! <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other world of game. What on earth do you sorry. mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, this dude ends up finding the the mysterious woman hiding behind a curtain. 
rubbish hiding place. Mm. But um, it is rubbish. Magnus is looking at me as if he seems to think it's a perfectly adequate hiding place. Well, it depends what kind of curtain it says. If it only goes down to to about (laughs) two feet above the ground. (laughs) (laughs) It's an iron curtain. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't find him for 70 years. He was hiding behind the iron curtain. (laughs) Best game ever. (laughs) So he finds this woman anyway. And she doesn't respond to his <laughs> Stop doing that, seriously. <laughs> I'd like to, but it's funny. Fair enough. And so they, he ends up sitting there, somebody else comes along, and what happens is if you have to respond to the next person sitting, who comes along and says, are you Smee? And they say no. And then at the end, there's this huge chain sitting there, and what another disgruntled guest comes along and says, look, I'm Smee, what the hell are you people doing sitting here? And it turns out that this woman was actually a ghost, because she, they were too polite what? in the end to actually try and speak to this woman whilst they were waiting. And because he was too polite to ask her who she was in the first place, it was never revealed that she was a ghost that was haunting the party. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Nobody yes, ever thinks to ask, are you a ghost, though? No, I've never thought to ask that No, but if anybody. they'd introduced themselves earlier, she wouldn't have been able to respond, being a ghost who couldn't speak. So they were too polite to avoid a haunting. Yeah! <laughs> oh, the idiots. This is, th- this so, is so the So how could we, we get around this? I think Rob has hit the crux of it. If you turn up late to a party, hmm. you should first off apologise and then say, and can someone ha- tell me how many people they think are in this room? Yeah, how many people did I invite to this warehouse mm. rave? Well, like some kind of <laughs> how many count are how many beans here? are in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because ghosts can't count beans. <laughs> no, they can't. I mean, you should know that. Um, well, I'm not a ghost. I can count beans. So, what's the opposite of being polite? Do you think <laughs> the opposite of being polite? I think it's being rude. Yes. Well, I think it is. after scrabbling about in the dark, you came up with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about you know if you're forced to apologise for something, or not not forced, if you feel you have to apologise for something, there must be a flip side to that, so I was wondering whether an insult is the opposite of an apology but I don't think it is the opposite of an apology I think the opposite of an apology is, I don't know Gambia or something <laughs> <laughs> it's totally opposite <laughs> I think gambling is the opposite of apologies well it's, it's differences of opinion really isn't it yeah that's true but you know, sometimes somebody makes you apologise. We've all had to, you know, we all went to a kid's party where we threw cake in the birthday child's face because they were just <laughs> being annoying. And then for some reason, your parents tell you off and say, say sorry to them. But you can say sorry in a way that demonstrates that you don't really mean it. And I think this is a way that insults can be interesting because there's two ways of, well, there's loads of ways of going about people, but some, but a a good way to think about it is the obvious, ridiculous, over-the-top insults, which are great fun to use, and a big favourite of Captain Haddock out of Tintin. And then oh, there's, really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's subtle insults that just manage to slip under the radar, and I think they're the ones that we end up having to use more and more as, as we grow up, and our and our insults have more of a consequence. Yeah, so you, it doesn't do just to call somebody a. No, I don't we know, have a list. A nincompoop. It just doesn't cut the mustard anymore, does it? Or an Ethelred. Whatever that is. Well, this list, which, which um, uh, Sarah circulated ahead of the meeting, she uh, has something like, how many is it? It looks like about 200 insults that Captain Haddock has used. And they include things like, uh, ooh, you know, um, uh, gallows fodder. Fat face, I think that's quite rude. I uh, think we still use that to this day, but yeah, I think an, mm, an interesting one that he's used is technocrat. <laughs> which, 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 which these days, I think, will have a completely, well, not a, well, 
maybe a completely different meaning. I mean, what would a technocrat mean at the time when Tintin was being published? Um, it would have meant uh, probably the opposite of uh, uh, a Luddite, I suppose. Somebody who had two telephones. But then that, would, <laughs> <laughs> but then that wouldn't really be an insult. A Luddite no, would no, be like having a go a bit. I, these were probably very context sensitive. But I, I mean, look. He, he, so when he calls somebody a fancy dress freebooter, <laughs> that would have a context. Um, probably. I'd imagine there was somebody wearing fancy dress and perhaps they had a, a boot going spare. Hmm. I'm having a quick look now to see which ones we could still probably well, use without being called out on it today. Well, um, an odd-toed ungulate is <laughs> particularly good. Well, he, um, used, he used the term bootlegger, which I thought was very far-sighted of him. Oh, well, it's like, no, that's you know, the old-school piracy sense. A, a seafaring chap, wasn't he? He certainly was. There's lots of bootleg <laughs> mashups and things and whiskey. Probably. Well, mostly I'm confused about how a breathalyzer is an insult. Yeah, I think we're all confused about that one, frankly. <laughs> hmm. There are some pretty good ones in there, though. I like yeah. the lily-livered bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, there was one that we found earlier, which was um, uh, cyclotron. I, mm. I think we decided this was only an, an insult among Transformers. Uh, yeah, that's right. Cyclotron, famously, the Transformer turned into a unicycle. He was the rubbish Transformer. Mm. Captain yeah. Haddock predicted Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> predicted. His unicycle disguise was rub. Perhaps invented. <laughs> Sarah, have you read any Rabelais? <laughs> I actually haven't read any Rabelais. No, 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 have I? But I've got a book of insults <laughs> and things, and there's some particularly fantastic ones in there. Can Who I? is Rabelais? I don't actually know. Can we eat chap. him? Uh, no, he's dead. It? Oh, no, you're not allowed to eat dead people. Oh, all <laughs> live ones. You're allowed to eat dead animals? Yes, dear. Um, <laughs> don't let me have any fun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can I read out some of Rabelais' insults? Yes, don't need my you. permission. All right. Slubber de Gullion Druggles. Ninny <gasps> Lobcocks. Oh. Druggles? Druggles, yeah. They're like fraggles. Uh, scurvy Sneak Bees. <clears throat> Noddy Meacocks. Blockish Rutnalls. Dear God. Dotty Pole Jolt Heads. I'm not sure I can stay in the room. Oh, sorry. There's I'm not sure I can spell any of these. No, none of them are spelled. Do, do you actually know what these mean? Me. Is, it, is it possible no. that you're offending in a very politically incorrect way all sorts of people oh, all I hope over not. the country? But there's a possibility that all the grout-head gnat-snappers are terribly <laughs> offended out there. Good grief, my parents might be listening to this. <laughs> are they mutants? <laughs> um, but it strikes me, it's more, it sounds like Harry Potter's shopping list, really. But, you know, he had a good line in insults to Gravelay. Harry Potter shopping list. Yep. I suppose you're right. I got a blockish grutnel. I'll have a quarter of those. <laughs> and uh, two jobbinal goose caps whilst you're at it. <laughs> sounds like Harry Potter. This sounds like it never put occurred to me by, before. By some kind of syllable aggregating computer program. Oh, yeah, that's what it was actually. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Rabelais. <laughs> no, in Rabelais' time, there weren't any computers. There was only um, maybe an abacus. Mm, and Scrabble kit, maybe. Scrabble? Mm. Picking Some letters randomly out of a bag. And... No, no, I don't think that was in, um, in Rabelais' time. When was his time? Uh, 15th century or something? No, I, I don't think there were. Well, there was no trademark Scrabble by that time. There may well have been word games, but maybe not in France. You no, would be the person who'd know. but no actual Scrabble. Sorry? Scrabblicious? <laughs> Do you mean Scrabulous? Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they changed the name to avoid legal action. <laughs> oh, well, but have we concluded then that insulting people is better than being polite? Yes, I think. I think there's a sort of wonderful joy in insults, whereas 
apologies and politeness uh quite well where does politeness get you you have to eat food that you don't want to eat and get haunted (laughs) and get haunted i've made myself ill by being too polite have you yes it was it was on my very first uh dinner with a girlfriend's parents and this was back when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and um uh the And no, uh, no. I was I was very nervous, and I'd I'd come in from from uh, from the suburbs to their great big house in the centre of town, and uh, their their was meal. It Buckingham Palace. Uh, well, it might as well have been for what I saw at that age. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> what? What's that even mean? <laughs> Let him get on with the story. They um uh, they produced this incredible meal. It was it just had course after course after course, and I'm starting to detect. I, I now don't think that's true, but at the time I thought the parents were there was a bit of bit of argument going on there, and mm. one of them was just looking for an excuse to, to kind of like tip off the other. Nice. And uh, I realised that a big bone of contention was was a course which was a quiche, and I got Ugh. given an enormous slice of quiche. Now I'm allergic to eggs. And I, I was kind of like, I was on the verge of turning this down. And I kind of like looked around at the face. There are other adults there as well. And I thought, I'm going to have to eat this. <laughs> and I ate the entire slice of quiche. And I felt awful. I felt absolutely rotten. So I excused myself from, <laughs> from the table. And I went to their bathroom. And their bathroom to me was, it was like palatial. It, it had marble everywhere. <laughs> was and there it a was fountain? Carpeted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I was thinking, well, the, the last thing I can do is throw up here. So um, I, I actually went you back were the to fountain. the table and I invented an excuse for me and my girlfriend to go to the pub across the road. Oh, well done. At their posh dinner party. And when I got there, I repainted the gents. <laughs> that was very generous of me. <laughs> <laughs> then you were sick. And, and uh, to this day, they think I was just very rude and left their party to go to the pub. Which would have been ruder, really, <laughs> to throw up all over someone's house. <laughs> the rudest act is to serve quiche. Who would do that? Quiche lovers. Nobody loves quiche. It's disgusting. I, I, I enjoy quiche. I'm indifferent to it. I wouldn't say I love it. But there you go. Shall we have a song? Did you bring Please. one? I did. Rob's got it. Wait.
My beer. My beer. I want my beer to be good and honest with a hint of the unknown. I want my beer to be authentic and fresh with an explosive finish. I want my beer to be a flavorsome masterpiece, brewed outside the United Kingdom but still within the European Economic Community. I want my beer to be strong and have integrity like my father, and I want it to be kind and forgiving like my mother. I do not want my beer to be bitter and unreliable like my Uncle Pete, and I do not want it to taste of metal like someone has put a pocket full of loose change in it. That was uh, My Beer by David Trigley. Uh, Rotten old drunk David Trigley. Rotten Call him by his David name. David Trigley, sorry. No, that, that's, that's rude and possibly slanderous. It's not that rude. <laughs> okay. I don't have any <laughs> objections when someone calls me a rotten old drunk. Okay, you rotten old drunk. Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, beer. Who's paid too much for beer in the past? Anyone? I know I have. I pay very little for beer. All right. Wine, on the other hand. Okay. What about you? Beer? Uh, no, probably the most expensive drink I've ever bought or been bought was £6 for a vodka, and that was in Sweden, where you expect that kind of thing. <laughs> that doesn't sound that bad. The most I've ever paid for a drink, and I think it was just a gin and tonic, but part of me thinks that this couldn't possibly have happened because it's so ridiculous, was £18. What? And I think that may have just been for some sort of... See, I think it was a gin and tonic, but it can't have been. It must have been some sort of gin-based cocktail. Uh, this was at the Sanderson Hotel, and um, and I was a student, and I remember having to pay for it on my new and exciting credit card because, obviously, I didn't have enough money <laughs> That's to ridiculous. spend £18 on this ridiculous drink. Who is this Mr. Sanderson? How can he charge so much? Um, he's a geezer who runs a hotel. <sighs> Did it taste more gin-ish than normal cheap gin? think i even appreciated gin properly at that age i just thought it was you know a generally good thing to i mean me i'm a connoisseur now of course yes we know hmm. we know you're not an old drunk <laughs> <laughs> uh anyone else or well i have a story that beats all of those oh yeah um you ordered two of the uh, sanderson <laughs> <laughs> that's right i was very thirsty at the time <laughs> however um i've heard of a man who drank or paid for, paid £100 for a pint of bitter. That's ridiculous. Why on earth? Why? Is that a, a modern-day pint, or is it in the olden days where a pint actually meant 50 gallons? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> this, this was actually in the last year. Um, I discovered this while uh, at the Trafalgar pub in Wimbledon, which is a very nice pub and does a lovely selection of ales. You're not going to get a free dinner just for mentioning it on the radio. <laughs> oh, it's not like they're listening. <laughs> um, you never know. Oh, I'm sure our one listener is enjoying this very much. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. And um, the reason uh, he paid £100 for this particular pint uh, was because it was from the very last barrel of Horndean brewed gales hsb hold hold on sorry i I have to ask a question did he pay did he buy a bottle of of this pint or did or was this actually like pulled on this was this was a pulled pint so and was this in a pub or or back in the brewery this this was in the pub so how could he how could he be certain 
that this was actually the last pint. Yeah, uh, should well, this not maturely be the drinks? The next last pint to the next person that walked in after <laughs> Well, yeah, this is the last one, mate. Oh, yeah, no, hundred no, quid. There seems to be a bit more left in here. <laughs> Funny I sh- that. I should I should be specific. It wasn't necessarily the last pint. It was from the last barrel. Uh, yeah, okay. Hence, it's not going to be that good because it's just going to be the dregs of whatever's in the bottom of the barrel. So what you're saying? Scraping is the barrel is, is the definition of this. But but the, there there must be a story behind this. What what was special about this? Well, um, this this as I said was the uh, last barrel of Gale's HSB to be brewed in Horndean. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as background, um, where's Horndean? George yeah. Gale is a a small brewery near the south coast uh, which was bought out in the last uh, year or so by Fuller's Mm -hmm. which is a London brewery and therefore possibly evil or something (laughs) (laughs) no no we're we're friends of Fuller's yes we are we like Fuller's can we have free beer (laughs) (laughs) so it was the last it was the last one to be brewed using the, the uh, special water of the Horndean ex- region. Exactly. They they moved the uh, brewing of the Gales beers uh, up to the up to their London brewery, uh, and so the so no lo- no longer was HSB brewed with the special water that was drawn from their very own well, fed by the South Downs. Was it really? So you're you're saying that the marginal mm. cost. Of nearly a pint of this water, everything that goes in a pint of beer, apart from the hops and so on, is about ninety-seven pounds thirty. <laughs> yes, yes, that would be that would be the uh, rough estimate. Um, and bearing in there. and bearing in mind, it came off the South Downs. Uh, most of that is probably accounted for by sheep's wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tasty and delicious! I was just going to ask: Is the South Downs water particularly better than London water? But London water is dreadful, so. South water, water in the south is generally pretty manky. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's still. Is still there fair. a significant betterness? Well, not that I've noticed. Hmm. Was this because, for charity? Um, Was he the, really drunk? <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted well, a tenner, but he just got confused with the amount of zeros. So I went, oh, just take it all, take it all, just give me a pint. Why? Why don't you judge for yourselves? Um, I have to apologise for the listeners because Pictures uh, on the radio. This, this involves a visual element. <laughs> OK, <laughs> we'll do okay. our best to describe um, if Rob will show us what he's got in his hands. I can report that Rob has something in his hands. Here is the gentleman. Mm-hmm. Mm. You will note that his beer yes. is yeah. glowing. <gasps> but but surely his beer. Can I have a closer look? I just want to examine the beard status of this young fella. No, I've, I've only <laughs> when seen I this say young distance. fella... I, He's definitely not a young fella. To and my I eye, he looks like, like some kind of a role player casting a magical spell over this beard. Well, I don't know, because <laughs> he hasn't got a beard. He's got a very particular moustache. But <laughs> apart from that, um, ooh, a disgrace. Which celebrity does he remind you of, Sarah? Uh, I, I can't say, um, but he committed atrocities in the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, okay. I, I, I don't know. You've, you've not narrowed it down any for me. It's Leona Lewis's mum. <laughs> don't, don't, don't stop saying nasty things about people. <laughs> Sorry, Leona. Sorry, Leona's mum. Am I spending this entire show apologising? Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but that's polite, and I've said that but being polite is for lamers, so... Be quiet, you freshwater squab. Squab. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rob, do you think the whole kind of notion of foods being from specific regions or areas sort of 
means that you can charge more because it's more authentic. This is for the last pint, I suppose. I mean, obviously this this has value in in marketing terms. You can see, um, and the the idea of the beer from Horn Dean sort of like projects this image of you know village mm. life. And uh, what do you think? I've got no idea where Horn Dean is. No, me neither. And I don't really care it is just it? sounds like any any an random village oh, yeah, but I think, i'd be much think more Rob interested does. in a I mean, beer I'm, from the metropolis i'm detecting a, a kind of nostalgic glow coming from him at the moment it's it's not so much <laughs> a nostalgic glow i can i can i <laughs> think beer glow. i think this is what sort of gales are trying to push but <laughs> i i did grow up sort of fairly near horndean mm-hmm. and you know it is just another suburban sort <laughs> of town you know maybe right. may, it may have uh, been a it may have been a quaint little village once right but, but so know, was hackney yeah, yeah <laughs> it's some of it's but then sub- the brewery came and turned it into a big industrial brewing town and destroyed it <laughs> well exactly i mean it's 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 no more special and historic than the i, d- I don't think the than chiswick chiswick where where fuller's brew ah <laughs> oh, uh, good old fuller's yeah so freebie stuff can come <laughs> from anywhere and it doesn't really matter so all the kind of idea about you know the because it seems to be, a, it seems to be quite popular now to say that you know some ham is from, I don't know where does ham come from. Don't say pigs, <laughs> um, Yorkshire ham. ham or Bavaria. Yes, <laughs> I don't know about ham, but cheese certainly. Yeah, definitely. Because you've got cheese. your well, a certain type of Lancashire cheese is on the EU list that it can't. Yeah, it's trademark you know, proper Parmesan. And single, like that. double Gloucester. What is single? What is single Gloucester? Um, lonely Gloucester. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't like Gloucestershire cheese that much, or anything about Gloucester. Well, Gloucestershire cheese, Red Leicester cheese—they're just cheddars with colouring. <laughs> Precisely, <laughs> rubbish. Just have a cheddar. They're mild cheddars at that. I do not like them. <laughs> Neither do I, and there's no reason to be polite about it. Don't worry, I'm not. A Melton Mowbray pork pie, on the other hand, that's something worth looking out for. Well, is it? Are they special because they're from Melton Mowbray? Could you not do exactly I the same I gather there thing is a, a particular way of making them. I'm not quite sure what it is, but apparently it involves the ingredient nom nom nom. Yeah, that, they do. I've heard that as well. That's a magical ingredient for a lot of foods. There's a certain yeah. radius, isn't there? Um, a certain amount of miles that you've got to be from a certain point in Melton Mowbray. And Northern Foods claim that that was um, overly restrictive and ridiculous. But they, I know they lost the case here. And, but they, um, a Melton Mowbray could submit to the EU to have their Melton Mowbray pork pies added to the list of protected foods. But <laughs> protected mm. foods. No, I'm, I'm very you glad. You mustn't shoot any of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, protected from my face. <laughs> <laughs> Outside that radius, the pigs just taste wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the pigs, well, pigs trotters, pigs melted pig trotter gelatine. <laughs> Do you want oh, to say hi. sorry again? <laughs> No, no, okay. no! Don't apologise. <laughs> you turncoat, two-timing tartar twister. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy dressed Fatima? You're a duckbill platypus. Shall we have another song? I think we should have another song. Um, this is this has some relation to what I was just talking about. It's one for all the pickled herrings listening. If you can, if you can, guess what that might be. Okay. This is a journey into space. The names have been changed to protect the committee, so not the wild hoon, bring the drums in, let's have a party. Pump up the bitter. Testing. Pump up the bitter. Hey Jody, have the star turned scratch has arrived yet? 
Hey, what's your record player, Bonnie Lud? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. How are you turn? Give us some of your housey, housey music, man. Starting. Is this a load of garbage? Create a brown to go and bomb the base. Hold it. Hold it, turn. Hold it. Hold it, turn. Go. So this morning I was on a bus going to work. Then I got Sorry. off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, on acid. I noticed that the buses have started doing announcements for every single stop. So the bus will pull off and it will say, this is the 254 going to Holloway. Next stop, Caseno Road. That sounds very helpful. You must be very pleased they're playing that all the time. No, oddly, I'm, I'm happy that it will help people who are visually impaired to know when to get off the bus because that obviously is great. But how do I get off the bus? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Shout out to Sheffield Dave and the scooters. Okay. There. <laughs> it was an impression of someone with visual impairment or something. <laughs> Sheffield Dave obviously has visual impairment. Have you seen Scooter? No. D- don't. It's terrifying. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> Sorry. It, the, the whole buses making announcements is incredibly irritating it's not like on a tube where it does it at each stop mm-hmm. a bus stops really frequently so you're just constantly bombarded by this and then they put out another thing about you know there is space on the top deck please move down inside the bus well i've never mm. heard this on a bus ever maybe it's only in north london hmm, maybe but it it's it seems to be happening on a lot of routes and 254 bus definitely has it and it is incredibly irritating well, that, that sounds to me like it's a, an example of what I think makes a difference between a petty irritation, which just disappears, mm. and, and a petty irritation which somehow grows inside you and starts <laughs> to occupy your entire thoughts and, and eventually occupies your brainscape and there's just no escape and it's blunt, no, it's going, ah. Sounds like you're a bit bitter. What, well, what you know. sort of day have you had today? <laughs> that? <laughs> that <was> <laughs> <same> <laughs> bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, my, my theory is that it's repetition which matters. And uh, I myself, I work in an office, and I'm, I'm quite a calm guy, I think, on the whole. And I think on the yeah. whole, if you saw me in the office, you wouldn't think there is a compressed torrent of rage waiting to explode at any particular time. No, no. I'd what would make you think, just by looking at somebody, whether they were a compressed rage of torrent? Of heat. <laughs> <laughs> a compressed torrent. <laughs> Uh, Would it be if they were wearing a tank top? Oh, yes. Well, that's obviously an early signal. What about a red tank top? Mm, yeah. You see red rag to a bull. Mm. 
Well, yeah, I, I think it's to do with the eyes. And apparently the way that you can tell if someone's really angry is if they look at you and then look away and then look again looking fierce. But anyway, they, the thing that I... I <laughs> That's fairly normal. <laughs> this is that normal human interaction. <laughs> uh, but what, what does wind me up are things which happen in an office, which, which if they happen once... That's all right. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they happen a series of times, then I think they escalate to something which does annoy me quite a lot. So, uh, for instance, let's say somebody needed to... Anyone know what that was? Yes, I can see you holding <laughs> a stapler. <laughs> that's right. Let's say someone needs to staple something. That's all right. Okay. But okay. Then, then if on the other side of me, it's happened today, someone mm-hmm. also, for some reason, they were cutting things up for a presentation, and what they did was... That, that, yeah. would, that would that would get me. So really? you I, don't imagine, like the sound of scissors. Ima- imagine if that was happening quite frequently, and then then another one of your colleagues suddenly started reading the paper. How like could it. they, the selfish swine? <laughs> well, exactly. How can I object to any one of these individual things happening e- when you know they're perfectly valid? Now this activity. is improv, you guys. I feel like I've joined a performance art troupe. <laughs> <laughs> and then cool. Can I play at the next clinker club, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the stabler. What should we call ourselves? <laughs> this is like Belleville Rendezvous. Yes. Anyway, it's a PowerPoint. During, <laughs> during the course of today, I had to get up and walk out. Because people were scissoring. And stapling. And also tearing up bits of paper, all to make the same. Actually, to be fair to them, they're making oh, the what same. What sort of shonky <laughs> present- <laughs> What sort of shonky presentation was this? Where you had to tear up newspaper? Were they making papier mâché? They were graduates, so I don't know what they were doing. They're, Have they never yeah. heard of PowerPoint? I, Maybe they were something to do with scanners. I don't know. They. <laughs> <laughs> Fair they enough. don't let the graduates use PowerPoint. So, well, but, graduates implies they were students, and students are irritating. And if you're still calling yourself a graduate, then you're irritating as well. Yes, that's absolutely mm. true. Mind you, it's us that call them graduates, but you know that. So um, you're the irritating one. <laughs> absolutely. Well, no, so they're, they're, they're self-defining as, as graduates as well. They probably, you know, looked for the job in, you know, a specialist graduate um, a recruitment magazine, like ask for new graduates in the Guardian. So, I think sorry, what for new graduates? I think it's called Rise or something like that. And but I, I call it Ask for New Graduates because it's for students. Do you want to apologise for the swear now? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> what else irritates you? Well, I, um, any of you. The, the thing which saying sorry too much irritates yeah. me. Well, you Does don't it? have to do it. You could just sit there and be. I know it's involuntary though. Rudeness. It is. Sometimes you say sorry when you actually bump into someone, don't you? I, that annoys the hell out of me. Yeah, actually, it was when somebody didn't do that that I was particularly annoyed. It was when um, they had they were wandering along. And, no, I was wandering along, and they, mm. were, they were stationary. They had a cigarette in their hand, and uh, they, they moved their arm, and it burnt the sleeve of my suit. And, and you know, I was, and did I, you say sorry to them? I, I, firstly, I had to stop myself from saying sorry. But also, what they said after that, I thought was so profound and so so uh, such concise indication of their what they intended to say that that I memorised it word for word. Is it safe for radio? Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't I think, think that matters. <laughs> Are you going to tell us? I, I'm going to repeat it in its entirety. It was. <laughs> they kissed their teeth at you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! That is the biggest insult you can get, actually. Yeah, yeah that's so worse like, than I uh, don't care. I think that my cigarette had more right to be in that space than you did. Maybe it did. Yeah, Used to probably judge. did. Yeah. Yes. Should we have your song? Okay. Th- this song is. Uh, I think this might be the musical, uh, it, um, but the sort of physical embodiment of irritation. The, yeah. 
yeah, let's give it a go. See what you think. Okay. Very irritating, yep, this, this one. This is pretty irritating. So, what irritates you other than scissors, Magnus? Uh, well, they... Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a toy to play with. I like it. <laughs> uh, the classic one is, of course, mobile phones. And I think mm. it's, it's not simply... The, the, the obvious thing to be cross about is people not really paying attention to you because of mobile phones. But there are, there are a couple of other things that people do. Um, one is that they start walking slowly when they use a mobile phone. Yes, they swerve. Yeah, and they seem to lose their balance as well. They're, they're, they're are you confusing arm. mobile phones with the intoxication from alcohol booze? You should never use mm. the two together. Mm. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they, they swing about and, you know, the, the arm that isn't holding the phone goes flapping around and they, they gesticulate to, to this invisible party at the yes. in front of them. I like it when they do that, especially <laughs> if they're on hands-free. <laughs> but you never know, hands-free or actually insane. It's, it's a tough call to make. It is a tough call to make. I get irritated by made-up foods. Sorry? <laughs> is that because you, you're not allowed to eat them? No, no, made, made up things that random recipes call for, which don't really exist in, okay. in any way, shape or form. Such a... Oh, well, recently I've been, well, I um, went vegan for a week in a, sort of an apology to, um, to resonance itself um, <laughs> for, for a certain dirty chicken show that I may have presented <laughs> on the show or not. So, so I tried going vegan, but I couldn't live without cupcakes. So I ordered a book called Vegan Cupcakes, Take Over the World. It's very good. I recommend it if you want to make vegan cupcakes. So it's a um, recipe book, not some kind of sci-fi thing. No. <laughs> do you often read sci-fi books with names like vegan cupcakes? 
I not saw one take called over the world. The well. Space Egg. <laughs> <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Didn't Who buy was it. that by? A man. <laughs> <laughs> not a lady. Ladies can't write sci-fi. No. But anyway, one thing that it called for in, in this book was something called creamer. 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 Not cream. Mm-hmm. Creamer. What is that? What is does it that American? even mean? Is it an American thing, like cups? As is a measurement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you meant... Sarah's uh, <laughs> gesturing at her breasts. <laughs> We're not sure why either. I had to bite back the apology again there. It's, it's just offensive. No, but I, we, I gather that creamer is something called, um, well, it's sort of like an instant milk powder thing that you're supposed to put in your coffee. Like coffee mate. Your coffee mate, yeah. Um, but nothing else. But surely coffee mate may be only bought by about 0.1% of the population. Who can't be bothered to nip out for some milk. Yeah. So yeah, but surely it's stolen by about 30% of the population. Creamer? Well, yeah. Oh, in, you, yeah, in communal offices. Yeah, exactly. But no, I've, I've never been in an office which has creamer in it, and I've been in several offices in my time. it's been stolen. I'm going to check my kitchen at work tomorrow and see whether there's any creamer. It's definitely none in mine. There's skin milk, semi-skimmed milk and soya milk. Carry on. For your dairy alternatives. No, no, that's it. That's the end. (laughs) (laughs) But another another made-up thing, but this is a made-up cooking method rather than a made-up food ingredient, (laughs) is is a broiler. A broiler. What does that even mean? For years, I thought that it meant a rolling boil because, you know, broiling sounds like... yeah. See, that would make sense. I don't actually know what that is. Do you? Do you? I think that um, I recently talked about this on the modern internet, so sorry for people who read my, uh, my internet journal. Um, I think we concluded that a broiler is North American for what us in the UK would call a grill, oh. and a grill in North America means barbecue. Oh, but why? But what? But why? I can I can understand barbecue? that there might be different words, but broiler is a stupid combination. I think it's. I mean, well, I'm going to talk about this on maybe a little bit on my show um, next week with um, with Doctor Quack about words that sound you know onomatopoeia. Um, broiling exist. It doesn't exist. It, well, oh, well you'll have exist. to tune in next week to find out more about that. No, I know. But it doesn't I, exist. I find cookery books are all bang. like this. They all assume that you've, you've got like some bang. knowledge you can possibly have. Like it'll the first instruction will be you know first coagulate your you know blood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Saute it up with yeah. some hemoglobin. Well, exactly. And, and I'd, I'd look at it and I go, oh, you know, I've never done that before. It's not something I just. Yeah, I, I always get thrown at sauté. If someone said, just put it in a pan with some water, heat it a bit, you'll be right. Oh, it's, I thought that was sort of braising. I thought sautéing was just frying. Yeah, sautéing is frying, I thought. Oh, I thought. Okay. <laughs> I thought Are it was a bit like when you sweat <laughs> off onions. That's, that's, a, that's a kind of yeah, That's just something kind of you do, and it disgusts me. <laughs> I've got deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could be that strong. <laughs> I think you're being very unfair. For, for the record, I've eaten some of Alex's food and it's very nice. It didn't make you vomit at all, did no, it? No, no, it didn't. No, no, that was a dinner party. I managed to stay put. Excellent. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were we? <laughs> oh, I was saying that the word broiler was offensive, and I think we all concluded that that was correct. I mean, yes, uh, I agree. If you want to differentiate between your heat source coming from above and your heat source coming from below, that's fine. But don't have a word which completely implies something different, like broiler, which implies a rolling boil. To us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, I well, It's perfectly agree. obvious to me. 
Yeah, me too. I always I thought broil. It's a bit like boil. It's going to involve water. There you go. Doesn't clearly. What do I know? I, I was fascinated cook. by all these really tasty sounding boiled meat recipes that I was reading about, <laughs> and, and the American internets. They've got different internet over there. And it turned out they just meant whack it under the grill with yeah. cheese on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, what a shame. Anyone mm. else got any irritations? Well, um, <laughs> I do. I've got plenty, but I think somebody else should I have a go. I don't yes. believe you. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're so irritating. Of obviously, you know, I I don't really have any irritations. I I live my life from one serene moment to the next. Yes. Um, yes. Apart from uh, businessmen <laughs> in, in their, their suits and ties. ties. <laughs> <laughs> we es- didn't even plan that. Especially the ones. Who get on the tube during rush hour and lean against the pole that other people would like to hold on to? Other people would like to dance around. Oh, oh my God, that I didn't realise I was doing it. It's Sorry, you. Magnus. <laughs> well, usually oh, in the mornings, fine. the tubes are so busy, you don't really have a choice about where you have to stand. No, this is, this is true, but you know. <laughs> Just grab on to the businessman. Then, <laughs> 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 That'll I have had to do that. I'm not I, on the tube, though. I find the strategy <laughs> yeah. involved in, in getting on the tube is it's just like there's a rigour to it, which is, it, it's you know, beyond anything it deserves for that time in the morning. You know, you, people know where to about the nearest two inches to stand on the platform. And they know who yeah. is going to be getting off at what stop and who they've got to stand over with their newspaper in order to reserve a seat. Do so you clever. have um, regular people you see on the tube who you never speak to, but you look out for and you just like their presence? I guess I do. Is that stalking? <laughs> no, because no. I don't follow them off the station, not off the uh, off the train. Mm. Okay, uh, I think that's all we've got time for, actually. Oh, gonna... excellent! In that case, can I jump in and quickly plug yeah, my yeah, show yeah, next of course, week? Go for it. Excellent. Well, um, if you haven't heard enough of my voice of tonight, um, well, I'm sorry. I'll apologise once more. Um, but next week I'm going to be hosting um, Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop with some very exciting guests. Well, one's going to be exciting and two are just going to be smutty regulars. Uh, Dr. Quack, a collaborator with Dr. Vic, an expert moominologist, recently returned from a moomin seminar in the Great Lakes of Finland. Well, I've realised I've written in the Great Lakes. I mean, by the Great Lakes. Inside the lakes would be very damp. Anyway, she, she's going to give us a crash course in Eerie Kidlet and the Grand Universal Theory of Onomatopoeia, which exists. Doesn't exist. It exists. Well, I don't know, it might. <laughs> well, listen and you'll find out. Um, Tom Ewing and Pete Barron will be joining us, sharing a mic between them in the corner, bibbling on about whatever takes their fancy, and I'll keep you updated on the clothedness or not of Japanese pop stars. We might even have a special guest letter from uh, Tokyo's Moomin Cafe, but that depends if I uh, remind somebody to try and write it, if you're listening. <laughs> can, can, can we have it, please? It'll be good. Uh, it be awesome, in fact. Um, so that's next Wednesday, 13th of February, 7 o'clock. Same frequency, same podcast, and don't fear the hatty fatness. I won't. You should. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, it's all right. <laughs> didn't mean you. I meant the listeners. Oh, all three listening of them. to each other. All three of them. Um, up next on Resonance is Clear Spots. At 9 o'clock, it's the Middle East Panorama, I believe, followed by the Trash Can at 10, and then at 11, the fifty fifty Sound System. Um, if you want to find out more about the laws of pop, or if you just enjoy leaving abusive comments on internet forums, then visit our website, <laughs> freakytrigger.co.uk. And you can also catch up with previous Lollard shows on our podcasts, which are also there. So 
thank you to my fragrant guests, Sarah Robin Magnus, and thank you to you lot out there listening. We've been freaky <laughs> drinking the lollards of pop. It's <laughs> um, not the trash can sinatras that are following. It's something like that, yeah. Oh. This might be completely wrong. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, anyway, to play us out, this is our midweek number one. It's Marnie Stern and Patterns on a Diamond Ceiling. Not looking to find a pot of gold. I will paint you a picture that's inside my head. First, I must carve out a place. Picture yourself carving out a place in a room. Now look up. There's the diamond ceiling. Look up now. This is what it sounds like. Around you is a solitude trilogy. And glass slippers are on your feet. When I say go, you'll hear the Solitude Trilogy come in clearly. Go. Now look down. The glass slippers are on your feet. This is what they sound like as they meet. Now walk in the self-eaters. Their sound is much clearer. Here. So you sit down and you start to think of ideas of the North. But in walk the latecomers. They back shuffle forwards. Their sound is weird. I am not looking to find a pot of gold. The picture in my head is my reward. Go. Around you is a solitude trilogy. And glass slippers are on your feet. When I say go, you'll hear the solitude trilogy come in clearly. Go. Now look down. The glass slippers are on your feet. This is what they sound like as they meet. Now walk in the self-eaters. Their sound is much clearer. Here. So you sit down and you start to think of ideas of the north. But in walk the latecomers. They back shuffle forwards. Their sound is weird. Thank you.